0: James one nineteen to twenty seven Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, we humbly ask that you would give us eyes to see wonderful things in it, That you would give us understanding and also desire to live it out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife Amy and I have a 15 month golden doodle puppy named Rhea. She's fun, she's friendly, and as puppies that age tend to be just a little bit crazy. But our puppy is also very smart. And by the way, thanks for asking, she is very cute. I know she's smart, though, because most of the time when she's asked to do something, to sit, stay, lie down, she does it perfectly. But there are other times... For instance, when Amy or I see her eyeing one of our shoes on the floor, we ask her to leave it. (laughs) We know she's smart because it's clear that she understands exactly what we're asking. Because she stops, will look straight at us, and then pick up the shoe and run the opposite direction. She hears, but she does not do. This passage in the book of James is about hearing and doing. James is writing this letter to Christians, and we see in the first verse of the letter that these Christians are dispersed, they're spread out, they're scattered. And what's more, as we read through the first half of chapter 1, these scattered Christians are also facing trials, pressure, persecution for their faith. And James wants these Christians to persevere in following the Lord Jesus, to stay steadfast, and even when they face these trials, to count it all joy. How can they do this? What does it look like? Well, this attitude is grounded in the realities that we've been reminded of so far in this service, but we see also in verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, God gives Christians new birth, new spiritual life, by the word of the gospel, that Jesus saves sinners so that they might live for him. And so as we come to chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, we find that it's a passage about the way that we're to interact with this word of truth. If we've received the gospel, we should respond to it. And to get more specific... Does our living match up with our listening? In this passage, what James calls us to is clear hear and do God's word. Three things James brings out God's word is to be received, God's word is to be obeyed, God's word is to be lived that we might hear and do God's word. First, God's word is to be received. Verses 19 to 21, if we are to hear and do God's word, we must receive it. And in his classic style, James dives right in, doesn't he? He wastes no time. He cuts it straight. He says it like it is. And so he tells us, that God's word is to be received. But the first thing he tells us in verses 19 to 20 is to watch our words. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger. And why? Because human anger does not rightly reflect God's perfect holiness. That's what James is getting at. There's no path toward right living before our holy God in a refusal to listen, in quick, sharp words, or in unrestrained anger. On the contrary, quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger. How different is that from the world we live in? How often do we encounter or hear words spoken far too quickly in the heat of the moment? Social media, the 24 hour news cycle, corporate America, politics. There is a distinct lack of listening, a speediness of speech. And anger comes with ease, does it not? That's why one author has labeled our day the the age of outrage. Quick to hear? Slow to speak? Slow to anger? It sure seems like our society has a lot of the opposite. But, though it may be easy enough for us to see these wrongs in our society and culture and country it can be much harder to see them in our own lives, can't it? Or at least harder to admit it. And James's concern in this passage is not for our society as much as for our self. Yes, we may live in an age of outrage, but personally, we're more often part of the problem, aren't we? At least if we're honest, we are how many times has each one of us wished we could take back words spoken far too quickly in the heat of the moment? It's not just our society that has a problem. It's us. And in light of this problem, James gives us an antidote. Notice what James prescribes in verse 21 to this unrighteous way of words. The answer is not to fight fire with fire. It's not to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and try a little harder. No, the antidote is to repent and to receive. The answer first is to repent, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Since the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, therefore we should put away the filthy, the wicked parts and ways of our life. In other words, we should repent of our own sin. That's what putting away in verse 21 brings out. It's this image of taking off filthy clothing and casting it aside. That's what repentance is. It's turning away from your sin and turning toward God. Repent. And receive. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It takes meekness to do this. Humility. The very fact that I have to receive something means that It wasn't there in the first place. There's something I need for my own salvation that must become implanted in me. I don't have it, but I need it. It's what James calls the implanted word. It's the proclaimed word of God, the gospel that we must receive, the good news that Jesus Christ saves sinners. We must receive this message that we have no inherent, no ingrained ability to live righteously in our own strength, to save ourselves. None. But when God gives a Christian new birth, new spiritual life, by the word of truth, by the word of the gospel, he also plants that truth, that word deep down inside that we might live for him. Bearing spiritual fruit, persevering day by day, and in the end be saved. That's what we must receive. An implanted word. Growing up, my family and another family grew a vegetable garden together every year. And we had a fairly large, fenced-off garden area, and it had good soil in it. But of course, gardens don't just grow on their own. (laughs) If we simply let, up, let, let whatever came up just grow, we wouldn't have had vegetables. We would have just had a bunch of weeds. There was nothing inherent in the soil or the space of that garden plot that made it a vegetable garden. It needed something outside of itself to become planted in it, didn't it? And so each year we would till the soil and plant seeds down into it and then upgrew the plants. Zucchini, cucumbers, squash, tomatoes. The implanted word. It's been planted deep down inside. If we want to hear and do God's word, the first thing we need to do is receive it. It's not just something that happens once at conversion. James is writing to people, he says, like we saw in verse 18, they've been brought forth by the word of truth. And in verse 19, he calls these people brothers. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. He's writing to Christians. And so it's not just that we need to receive the word of God once at conversion, but again and again, day by day, so that we no longer submit to quick Angry words of our own hearts but humbly receive the implanted word because our hope is on that final day that we will be saved from sin and death and so we turn to the only one who can indeed save us the way to get rid of angry words and wickedness in our lives is to repent and receive the word of God which raises the question, are we receiving it? We need to come to the Bible not with an open mouth telling it what we want to hear. We need to come to God's Word with open ears, ready to hear and to receive whatever it says. Not seeking proof for our own predetermined positions, but humble hearts, happily hearing what God has to say. God's word is to be received. God's word is also to be obeyed. We look at verses 22 to 25. If we are to hear and do God's word, we must obey it. In verse 22, James sets out, a contrast, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There are on the one hand, those who only hear the word. And then on the other hand, there are those who hear and also do the word. Hearers and doers. The word of God is not just to be received, it's also to be obeyed. Because it's all too easy to be satisfied with just hearing, with just understanding. Even with the Scriptures. Oh yes, I've understood the Bible. I've read the Old Testament, the New Testament. I've understood the Gospels. Paul, even James, I've read it. I've heard it. But James says, if you stay satisfied simply, with an understanding of God's word, but it has no leverage in your life, all you've done is deceive yourself. You think you've done it, but you haven't at all. This hearer only is described further in 23 and 24, these verses. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. A quick look in the mirror and quickly forgetting. It's a little like me in math class growing up. I listened to the teacher in class. Yes, I gave the textbook a quick read, but when the test showed up, It was clear that I'd forgotten it all. Quickly looking, quickly forgetting, a hearer only. But the one who hears and does God's word is different. Verse 25 shows us the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. A similar look into the mirror, so to speak, but a different outcome. It's like the athlete who has watched the film and worked on the game plan in practice and then plays it out to perfection on the field. Not one who forgets, but one who acts. The hearer and doer. Of course, Listening to the Word of God is vitally important. How can you do what it says if you haven't listened to it? You have to receive it first, that's true. But what James wants to make sure is that he wants for the deeply implanted Word to also be the externally lived Word. Hearers and doers, received and obeyed. This means we can't come to the Bible and say, well, that sure is nice to know, I get it, I've heard that, and then leave it there. No change in our lives. Sermons, personal devotions, small group studies, we must dig down deep and consider how a passage applies to our thoughts, our desires, our actions, our affections. And if we have the willingness to receive it and the perseverance to obey it, we will truly encounter God's word as it is. And when we do this, when we obey God's word, we encounter it not as a cruel taskmaster, but as a law of liberty, a law of freedom. When you receive and obey God's word, you live as you were truly made to live. A parent instills household rules on his or her children not to hurt them, but to help them. Not to bring frustration, but flourishing. Not to keep them from good things, but to free them for the best things. It's true freedom to obey your heavenly Father's law. Our society and our culture define freedom as the absence of boundaries and limits, doing whatever you want. And at first glance, this does sound great, doesn't it? I get to do what I want to do. But the problem comes when I do what I want to do and the decisions I make come back to bite me. How often, at least for myself, I prove that I don't know what's best for me. No, true freedom cannot be no boundaries. A fish out of water is not free. The Bible has a different answer. True freedom, according to the Bible, is not no limits, but having the right ones. Not doing whatever you want, but being free to be everything you were made to be. Obeying God's law is true freedom, it means living as you were truly made to live. You're not missing out on anything that will bring you true joy and you are free for everything that will be a blessing. That's what living out God's law is. To put it another way, as 1 John 5 does, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome. Not a burden, but ultimately a blessing. College Church, would you allow God's word to be like a mirror for your soul? As you look into it, as you understand it, Would you truly receive it? Allow it to reveal who you really are, even your flaws and your failures. But also allow it to reveal how the good news that Jesus saves sinners changes everything about who you are. And in the strength and power of the gospel, persevere in putting it into practice. Obey God's word. Follow it. Learn to love his commandments, hear and do God's word, receive it and obey it. And I promise you, you will experience true freedom and real blessing. Because God's word is to be received, it is to be obeyed. And finally, it's to be lived. If we are to hear and do God's word, we must live it out in our everyday lives. And here, James doesn't let us off the hook too easy, does he? Lest we come to the end of this passage and think, Yes, James, I understand. I need to receive God's word and obey it. Got it. Just so we don't stay there, James gets really practical. He wants to make sure that God's word is lived out in our everyday lives. The final call of this passage is to make sure we live out what he calls true religion. First is what true religion is not, though, in verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. A primary evidence for a lack of true religion is a lack of control of one's words. If we claim to be religious, we claim to be spiritual, we claim to be Christian, but our words don't reflect that claim, all we do is deceive ourselves. That's not true religion. Words that are not bridled, not restrained, not guided, not going in the right direction. Words that are not useful, not helpful, not humble, not encouraging, not purposeful, not God-honoring. Whether spoken directly or behind someone's back or posted on our profile, if our words are like that, we can claim to be religious all we want, But that religion is worth nothing. I could claim to be an astrophysicist all I want, but if you were to engage me in a conversation about astrophysics and hear me begin to speak, you'd know in a moment I was a fraud. The same goes for true religion. It may seem that words are not such a big deal but James rightly teaches us even later in his letter in chapter 3 that if anyone does not stumble in what he says he's able to bridle his whole body. Or the words of Jesus himself for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Our words mean far more than we often imagine. They speak from our heart. How many times has a hurtful word cut deeply to the core? Or how wonderful it is when a kind word brightens even the most difficult of days. Christians are to watch their words and use them for the proclamation of the gospel and for the building up of the body of Christ. So there's a negative description of what true religion is not, but there's also the positive presentation of what true religion is. In verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Widows and orphans in James's day would have had no social supports, no way to earn an income. They would have been those in society who could ha- not help themselves. They would have been looked down upon. And James defines true religion in part by an intentional care for those who are vulnerable and needy. The widow, the orphan. The vulnerable, the helpless, the unborn, those in foster care, the homeless, those unable to provide for themselves, those our society would not esteem. A love for the least is not meant to be a one-off endeavor, it's meant to be our norm. It's a deeply Christian way to live. In college church, be encouraged by the many ways that we as a church care for those in need within our body. I think of the Care and Share Fund that provides so much assistance for so many within our church family. I think of all the visits that our ministry staff and our deacons and deaconesses and elders and Many in our church have provided to those who are in the hospital or to those who are unable to leave their homes. What about our stars ministry? How wonderful has it been even this morning to be led and worshipped by brothers and sisters in Christ? Let's keep pressing on in our care for the vulnerable and the needy in our church, those who society would not esteem in our church, and in our community. Who in your life, in your sphere of influence, needs this kind of care? Is it a neighbor? A homeless person that you pass on the street every week? Someone who's recently lost a loved one? May we press on in living out true religion in this way. But finally, as James concludes, he reminds us that true religion is also lived out through a desire to keep oneself unstained from the world, to live a pure and a holy life. James pushes those of us who have been brought forth by the word of truth, who have new spiritual life through the gospel, those of us who that is true for, he calls us to engage in a headlong pursuit of personal Holiness. In a sense, that's the main push of this passage, isn't it? Not just hearing the word, but doing it. Repenting of our sin. Receiving the word of truth. Not being content with only hearing of the word, but also obeying it. And to live out this true religion in light of the new life we have in the gospel. God's word is to be received, obeyed, and lived. That's how we hear and do God's word. I recently got an eye exam to get fit for new contacts. Clearly, I wear glasses, but I often wear contacts, especially when I go for a run or spend some time outside. And at the end of the contact lens fitting, the doctor informed me that there was a rebate offer on the contacts if I would purchase them. A $100 rebate. And he told me the instructions on how to get it. I'd get an email, I needed to read that email, follow the link, fill out the form, and at the end, I'd get my $100 rebate. I heard him loud and clear (laughs) Will I do it? Of course, I will. I'm on the lookout for that email. I'll follow that link. I'll follow those instructions. I want that rebate. I want the reward. We've heard from James. Will we listen? And will we follow through? We need to be quick to hear these truths and quick to live them out. Challenging as they are, it's what we're called to do. We're called to hear and do God's Word, to receive it, to obey it, to live it. May we do so more and more, all in God's strength. Let's pray. Well, God, as we hear these words from James, we pray that you would give us the strength to do them. Please give us a deep desire to obey your word, to live it out, to not be content with hearing only, but please give us a deep desire to do. Please shape and mold our affections that we might love living for you, and please give us eyes to see the true blessing that is brought when we follow all the ways that you have laid out for us to live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.